Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in again with us. I'm Daniel Miller, and I have my good friend Abel Kamudi right beside me. We're seniors at Tacoa Falls College, and alumni, welcome back. Welcome back to the school. Today we're going to be talking about miracles in the Bible and miracles in our everyday life that's performed by our Lord. We know we have personal stories, and the Bible gives us stories. So just before we get into it, we want to give you a broad definition of what a miracle is that is found in Oxford Dictionary. So the definition of a miracle is this, a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. Miracles are presented all throughout the Bible, and they're also presented on our day-to-day activity. We just have to be still and see how God is working in, in our lives. So the two ways God usually performs miracles is God himself, whether behind the scenes or personally, like we see many times throughout the Bible, or he uses people to perform miracles. Um, One place we can see this is uh, in Kings 17, verses 17 through 24. Sometime later, the son of the woman who who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and to kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with? by causing her son to die. Then he stretched out himself on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house, gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Just like that, how a miracle happened in 1 Kings, there's been miracles that's happened in both my life and Abel's life. I remember when a tornado had came through to the city that I was living in, in a small rural town in Georgia, and I was home that night. And for some reason, I was I was I was at I was at my parents' car, and I think I was just getting something out, maybe it was some gum or something. It was late at night, and something told me go inside. So I immediately went inside, and in a matter of seconds after that, there was a tornado warning that had went off, and I was laying down in my room, and I eventually fallen asleep, but I woke up to this weird sound that was sounding like a train that was coming through. And when I looked out of my window, I seen I, a window of my room. I seen a, this tree, this huge tree in our yard falling down. It was about to fall on the house. So I immediately jumped up and wanted to run to the kitchen. But something told me, no, stay where you are and do not move. So I just curled up and stayed where I was in my bed. And then the tree fell, and it fell right through the kitchen, right through the bathroom, and half the house, knocking down half of the house. And I just know it was God and the small voice that was inside of me that told me to stay still where I was at was God or it had to be an angel because I was literally about to run into the kitchen 
and I would have been crushed and I would have died. And also, it was just a wall away from my room. And that is just how a miracle can work. Another instance in which, in which we see God using a person to conduct a miracle is found in Second Kings 13, verses 20 through 21. Elisha died and was buried. Now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once, while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. When I was reading the Bible three days ago, when we found out that we were going to talk about this topic, a verse really popped out to me, and it was God when he was speaking, and he said, Is anything too hard for God? Is any miracle too hard for God? We serve a God that fed 5,000 with merely barely any pieces of bread and fish. We serve a God to turn water into wine as the first recorded miracle. Is anything too hard for God? We must have faith in him, and he'll work miracles. And look for those miracles. Expect those miracles. Have faith in those things so that you will know it's not a coincidence. It's a coincidence, but it's sent from the Lord Almighty. Another way God does miracles is personally. And sometimes God usually tests someone's faith and sees whether they have faith that they can be healed. Sometimes he just does it on his own free will. Uh, this is one of the instances where he doesn't... Where this is one of the instances where God does not require one's faith, but rather just does the miracle on his own free will. And this is found in John 11, verses 38 through 44. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with stripes, with strips of linen, and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave, the grave clothes and let him go. From this we see that Lazarus was already dead. There was no need or a possibility of him proving his faith. So in this instance, God just did the miracle of his own free will. That is so powerful. So, so powerful. In Luke 18, 27, Jesus replies saying this, saying this, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Miracles. When you've been in situations or will be in situations where you're like, how in the world am I going to get out of this? Or what in the world? I have no control over this. I can only call for help. Just remember, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Another place we see God doing a miracle of his own free will without requiring faith 
is found in John 2 verses 1 through 11. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used for, by Jews for the ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had, done, who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his his glory, and his disciples believed in him. What an amazing, amazing miracle, and the very first one that is recorded, Jesus turning water into wine. How many of us have God transformed our life, how people look at you and like, wow, you're the same person? But have faith in God the way his mother had faith in him. Another way God shows his miracles is if someone has faith in him. One place we see this is found in Luke chapter 8, verses 43 to 48. And the woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could hear her. She, became, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Wow. Wow. How, how many of us want faith like that? How many of us have faith like that? She has so much faith that she thought, if only I can just touch him, if only I can just barely touch him, maybe then I will be healed. To the fact where Jesus did not know who she was at all, but he felt her faith. He, he, felt, he, felt, he felt her faith in him that he looked around and he said, who touched me? Because he realized how much faith that she had. It's as if his power had went into her. That's what. That's the type of faith that we need to have. This lady was dying. She said, if, only, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him, I will be healed. How many of us are in situations and we think, if I'll just call unto the Lord, maybe I'll be healed. Or maybe the Lord will heal me. We need to have faith like her. And who knows what type of miracle God can work into our life. We're his children, we're his prized possession, and he loves us. Another place we see 
people having faith and God using that faith in order to heal them or a loved one is found in Matthew 8, verses 5 through 13. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking him for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, Go, and he goes, and that one, Come, and he comes. I say to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. This is another example in the New Testament that's just astonishing, amazing. Um, this man's faith. Every miracle is almost centered around these people. Every miracle is followed by a great deal of faith in the Lord. We went from a lady that said, If I can... If I can just crawl next to him, if I can just touch him, I'll be healed to a man that came to him. A well-off man, if he, if he had many servants like that. But he knew that the Lord is the Lord. Jesus Christ is the Lord. And he came to him. He said, if you just say the words, God, if you just say the words, then it will happen. And that, that, that meant a great deal to Jesus. And it left him shocked of how much faith this man had. And believe, believe, it, believe it, it's in the Bible that the miracle did happen because he had faith. He had enough faith that said, if Jesus just said it, that it will come true. And how many of us have faith like that? That's the type of faith we need to have, that it's in the Word of God. If the, if the Bible says it, then we've already claimed it to happen because that's the Word of God. We have faith in the Word of God. And we expect the miracle to happen. We don't think, oh, it might. No, we expect the miracle to happen because that's God's word and he loves us. Another category of miracles God performs is unusual miracles. And these miracles, we don't often understand for what reason God does these miracles. One of these types of miracles is found in Genesis 5, 21 through 24, which says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. From this, we see that God was so pleased with Enoch because he walked faithfully with him. He performed a great miracle and he didn't allow Enoch to go through death and experience that. But he just took him straight into heaven. Wow. Um, you know, I, I, I like my name, Daniel. I'm sure you like your name, Abel. But 
And I've heard of great people in the Bible, great men in the Bible, but I mean, I would, I would, have to, I would have to put Enoch up there. If he walked so blameless, if if he if he had a relationship that close with God, his faith that he had, he was so faithful to the Lord, talked to God that much, that the Lord just called him right into heaven. What a what what a life to live. That's just amazing. And he's still alive. He's with the Lord right now in heaven. What a great man. Wow. Another great miracle, which is very similar to this, is the story with Elijah, which is found in 2 Kings 2, verses 1 through 11. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay there, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went up and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you can see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were talking along, as they were walking along and talking together, Suddenly, a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Wow, that, and you know, I've never really even heard of that story. That's that's amazing. And speaking of stories, Abel, don't don't you have a story that's centered around faith and um, miracle the Lord has done for you in your life? Yes, absolutely. Um, we see that. God not only does miracles in the old days, but he does miracles even today. One great story is that of my own life. When I was two years old, I was diagnosed with meningitis and tuberculosis. And as a result of the meningitis, I completely lost my sight. The doctor said I had little to no chance of survival. And if by sheer chance I would survive, I would remain permanently blind and I would become handicapped both mentally and physically. However, all my family 
constantly prayed and they asked all their friends to pray. They had faith and eventually God healed me. After a couple of months of my illness, I completely got rid of it and God completely healed me, giving me my sight back and allowing me to be perfectly normal. Right now I'm here at TFC, a senior about to graduate and I am a living testimony to the great miracle God did in my life. That's amazing, man. You're a walking testimony. You know, no one can no one can never say that a person can never argue to a Christian that God doesn't exist because you can tell your testimony where they're going to say your story isn't true. And um that's just amazing, man. I didn't even I didn't even know all of that. That's amazing and it's it's great to have you here. And you're definitely not handicapped because you ride about 10 miles each day on your bike. Um, very smart, doing well in school, about to graduate, get a good job. And it's just a blessing to have you here, man. That's amazing. And um, I know for a personal miracle that, that God exists, once again, it's just recently, like two months ago for sure, was when I was in my car accident. And the split second, the only person that I could really call on to was the Lord. And that's who I put all my faith in that split second that I had. Cause I was sure I was about to face death. And the next thing I know is that I was getting out of the car and without a scratch on me, except for a little mark on my hand. And my car went from one side of the expressway to the next one, knocking out of the railing and totally crushing my car. And it's nothing but God. And it was a miracle. And, um, I'm thankful to live and tell others about it, how great God is. And we have a short story to tell you guys. It's by Andy J. And um, you want to give a brief little, his, little talk over it before I read it to him? So this is basically a story of one of the last survivors of the attack on the World Trade Center. This person was in the South Tower in New York, New York City when it all happened. And although he was on the 84th floor, which is really high, he miraculously made it out of there and he is still alive. Just amazing. So I'm going to read it to you guys. Run DeFrasco was a Canadian working on a U.S. immigration work visa in the South Tower of the World Trade Center on 9-11. He was a manager at Euro Brokers office on the 84th floor. As a Canadian, he felt as if it was a unique honor for him to have been appointed to his position and to be working in the World Trade Center. Regarded by many as the most prestigious building in Manhattan, which, by the way, it is. When the first plane hit the North Tower, the people in his office heard the crash and saw the flames and smoke from the building. They did not know, they did not know, they did, they did not know yet that a hijacked plane had been involved. As the plane started ringing and people started asking Run and the other employees there what happened, they, sur they surmised that a small plane had lost its way and accidentally hit the building. They could see that the flames from the crash were forcing people in the North Tower to flee, and in some cases to jump to escape from the fire. As the news reports started coming in, giving more accurate accounts of what was happening, Run got a telephone call from his good friend in Canada telling him to get out of this building. He heeded the warning and made his way over to the elevators. Just then, the second plane hit the tower. Wow. Ron says that the impact of the crash was so violent that the building swayed some seven or eight feet. He thought for a moment that the building was would tip over, but instead it simply stayed back the other way. After the building stopped swaying, Ron made his way to the staircase. 
Unlike in the North Tower, the plane came in level. In the case of the South, the pilot of the plane came in an angle, evidently to cause maximum damage. In a sense that was ferocious for run, and that right tip of the wing of the airplane plowed into the tower above the 84th floor, although the body of the plane crashed into the building below it. Ron quickly made his way to the staircase. Smoking, smoke was coming up for the stairs from the lower floor. He tried to make his way down, but people from the lower floor were coming up to escape the fire below, so he turned around and tried to go up. Since the right tip of the wing of the plane hit the tower above his floor, the part of his tower was on fire. There was no way to proceed upward. For perhaps the first time, Ron realized he was no longer in control of the events in his life. A sense of doom descended on him, and the rest of the people trapped between the floors. Unable to go up, once again, he turned to go down, facing the smoke coming up from the staircase. Now there was also fire down below, and despite using a piece of drywall to shield himself from the heat as he proceeded, his body was being burned. He thought it was all over. Overcome with smoke, he was about to give up. Just then, Ron says he heard a voice. He could not really explain exactly whose voice it was, but he drew strength and faith from it to continue downstairs despite the burns. Then he heard a second voice, the voice of a firefighter. While he could not see in the smoke, the firefighter said to come in the direction of his voice further down the stairs. Ron reached the firefighter and told him he couldn't breathe. The firefighter examined him and told Ron to go down to the bottom where he would be cared for. That's what he did. Since he, he, since he was now below the crash site, the sprinklers had come on and making the descent much easier. When he finally emerged on the ground floor, he was blocked from exiting the door by the firefighters, who said it was too dangerous because of the falling debris and the bodies of those who jumped. Instead, he was, he was direct into the basement of the building to exit there. Ron descended below. He was especially impressed by a heavy-set man who had also come down from his tower and was now descending with Ron into the bowels of the building. As they, heard, as they reached downstairs, they suddenly heard the rumble of the building, pancaking down on them. They turned to look down by the quarter where they saw a huge fireball coming at them. They turned around and ran for their lives. Ron woke up in the hospital. There were burns to a great majority of his body. His contact listeners had melted to his eyes. It took years to recover, but he made it. He was the last known survivor of the South Tower of the World Trade Center bombing. Since then, Ron and his family have moved back to Canada. Yesterday, however, he returned to New York to a site where exactly 15 years ago he was lucky enough to survive America's worst terrorist attack. His story is a test testament to the resilience in his face of adversity. It is one that reminds us of how precious, li precious life can be and of the fact that eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. God still does miracles today. We should never hesitate to ask him for help. And to close this up, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That is found in Philippians 4, 6. Wow, Abel. Wow. From this, we are reminded that no matter what obstacle we're facing, it doesn't matter how, how big or small, we should never be afraid or hesitant to come to God in prayer because we know and he reminds us in his word that he can do all things. And all we have to do is have faith in him and lean on him for support. I, I totally agree with you. And just to have faith, have faith, and listen and key in on those small voices because God can speak through us as we seen last podcast. 
through angels, through people, or just directly to our heart. And don't be anxious about anything. And just listen to God's word and have faith in it. Find out what you need to know in the Bible. Have faith that if it's the word of God, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The Bible, the word of God is, is the Lord's word. Have faith in it. Have faith like the man when he came to when he came to Jesus and said, if you just say the words, it'll happen. Or the woman that thought, if, if I if I can just touch them, I'll be healed. Have faith. That's all we have for you guys today. Thank you for tuning in to us. Welcome once again, alumni. Let's have a good weekend. Thank you.